It's time to eat. Get in my belly! Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. Here we go. Week five of the NFL season is upon us. And if you are looking for a place to make your online wagers, head to betonline.ag. Use promo code PODCAST1. To receive a 50% sign-up bonus today, betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. He is the great Evan Silva from Roto World, at Evan Silva on Twitter. He's the best in the business, a wealth of information. It's really crazy. I am at Ross Tucker NFL on Twitter and Instagram, former NFL offensive lineman who is 4-0 right now in the Fantasy Feast Redraft League. Thank you for playing. Yes, 4-0. Domination nation so far. It's been fun. I'm glad you guys all gave it a shot. But yes, I am going to wreck this league, as Johnny Manziel once texted to Dow Loggins. Speaking of keepers and dynasties and Johnny Manziel, who was not really a keeper, how about keeps.com? All right, so it's not a secret. Genetically, uh, my hair staying is not a great thing. So I've been taking medicine to keep what I've got for a while now, at least five years. And so I take a pill every morning and then there's a topical solution I rub on the top of my head, my bald spot, um, in the morning and again at night. So I've been doing that already for years, right? And then I found out, I don't know, six months ago maybe, about Keeps.com. It offers the only two FDA-approved hair loss products clinically proven to keep the hair you have. This is not like BS. This is science. FDA-approved. This is the same ones that doctors have told me to use and doctors have given me prescriptions for. Here's how you do it, though. You just go online to keeps.com and you fill out a couple forms and they have online doctors and they say, yep, you need this or we'll prescribe this for you. And then they send it to you. It's You save a lot of money, a lot of time. And I don't really envision not being a Keeps member for the rest of my life, at least as long as I'm trying to keep my hair and doing TV stuff. To receive your first month of treatment for free, go to keeps.com slash feast. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash feast. That's a free month of treatment at keeps.com slash feast. Hair today, hair tomorrow. All right, Evan, let's start with tomorrow night. It's the Patriots who got... The offense back on track against the Dolphins, against the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, and I think that the Colts have played better than their record shows. They're 1-3. They have been winning uh, in the fourth quarter of all four games that they've played. Um, but they haven't been able to seal the deal. And now they really limp into this game. I mean, they are going to be without T.Y. Hilton. They are going to be... Uh, potentially without Darius Leonard, their stud rookie middle linebacker, although it looks like he might try to play. Um, but on a short week, coming off a, a, a significant ankle injury that had him in a protective walking boot all week, that's a concern. They're still without their, stu- their two starting tackles. They're even without their second string right tackle. 
Um, so this is not a good spot for the Colts really at all. And it's a really good spot for the Patriots to be able to drop another hammer. Um, and I think that, you know, even if Rob Gronkowski does not play, Tom Brady is a, a really strong uh, fantasy start here. Um, I think that Sony Michelle, though, stands out as a guy that uh, could end up getting a lot of work again. Last week, we saw him get 25 carries. Um, his touches have trended up 11 to 15 to 25 over the past three weeks, not catching a lot of passes. Uh, but this game sets up for an elevated uh, rushing attempt total for the Patriots uh, because I think that they're going to be in control. And whenever Sonny Michel has been in the game, they have really focused on feeding him. Uh, he really isn't playing a lot of snaps relative to his touches, but when he's in the ball, in the game, he's getting the rock a lot. I think he's a strong RB2 play. I think in, in order to reach RB1 status, he will need to start catching passes, which he has not done uh, virtually at all yet. Um, but I think in college, he did show that capability. He only had nine catches as a, uh, as a senior at Georgia. But he had higher catch totals earlier in his college career. Uh, James White, he leads the Patriots in targets right now. He's on pace for 88 receptions. Uh, I have him in like every PPR league that I'm playing in. And, and he w will be starting for me in all of them uh, this week. The, the Colts have given up the uh, sixth most uh, receiving yards to opposing running backs. So that bodes well for James White. Um, On to the pass catcher. So while Tom Brady may be without uh, Rob Gronkowski, he is going to be getting back Julian Edelman and another key Colts defender that is going to be out is Kenny Moore, their rising star slot receiver. I'm sorry, slot corner. Julian Edelman, of course, is a slot receiver. He's going to be playing in the slot some 70 to 80 percent in this game based on uh, what we've seen over the past couple of seasons. Uh, he, of course, didn't play last year, uh, but in 2016, he was uh, right at 70 percent uh, of the of the snaps of his snaps were played in the slot. Uh, so that's an upgrade, matchup upgrade for Julian Edelman. I think that you can start him right away in fantasy football. I think that we will see the Patriots come out throwing the ball against the Colts and eventually be able to build a lead and put the ball in Sony Michelle's belly. The outside receivers are really difficult to sort through with Julian Edelman coming back because Chris Hogan was playing the slot uh, previously, and now he is going to move to the outside where there is like a, a rotation, you have Philip Dorsett, you have Josh Gordon, you have Cordero Patterson, and now you're adding Chris Hogan, and that's a really difficult situation to try to project without at least getting one game under our belt. And then when Grunt eventually does come back, and shoot, he, he may still play. Uh, Dr. Chow thinks he still has a chance to play. Um, I, we, we know that his injury is not serious. It's just going to be come down to a matter of, hey, do we need him in this game? Uh, but that, you know, the, that target distribution between all those guys is going to be really difficult to project week to week. Uh, so even in a good matchup, I'm just I'm kind of throwing up my hands with the Philip Dorsett, Cordell Patterson, Josh Gordon um, and Chris Hogan target allotment 
for week five. Dwayne Allen will stand in as Rob Gronkowski's replacement. In all likelihood, they do have a Cody Hollister, but this dude has been hurt so much. I, I don't know if they can they can trust him for a big role uh, right away. Dwayne Allen, uh, when Rob Gronkowski missed weeks five and 14 last year, Dwayne Allen had zero catches and two catches for 10 yards on zero and five targets. Uh, so, you know, not excited about him as a streamer. Andrew Luck uh, really bounced back uh, after struggling and, and worrying everyone uh, against the Eagles when he got pulled for that Hail Mary uh, uh, in favor of Jacoby Brissett. Uh, looked great last week. Wasn't necessarily you know, airing out deep balls, although he did hit, hit a couple of them. Uh, but he was throwing the ball past 10 yards consistently. Um, I, I think that his velocity has been, you know, not not what it used to be, uh, but definitely workable. Uh, and we, we saw the the, uh, the results of that. I think that he is a quarterback one play, but playing without Ty Hilton is an, is absolutely a concern. He's going to have to lean on other guys, uh, you know, much lesser talents to be able to carry this passing game. And I think he's going to have to end up doing a lot of rushing uh, on his own. But the Patriots defense is not fearsome, uh, and the volume should be there for Andrew Luck. I mean, the dude is third in the NFL in pass attempts right now. He had 62 pass attempts last week. Um, uh, in the, the backfield, Marlon Mack has been practicing on a, a limited basis. The matchup is good. I mean, the Patriots just lost Jawan Bentley. Uh, their stud weak side linebacker rookie for the season, and Alandon Roberts, their starting middle linebacker, is questionable. Is going to be questionable with a calf strain. Uh, they have not played good run defense. They have, have given up production to, to backs in the receiving game. But there are so many guys here. You got Marlon Mack potentially coming back. Uh, Robert Turbin is eligible to come off of suspension. Jordan Wilkins has been the lead ball carrier. Only running back that I would look at from this core is Naheem Hines. And Naheem Hines right now ranks third on the Colts in targets. He played 43% of the snaps in weeks one and two, but he has played 70% of the snaps over the last two weeks. Uh, and I think that this is a game where the Colts are likely to be trailing and you know focusing on their short passing game and throwing the ball a lot, and that bodes well for the outlook of Naheem Hines. Uh, the Patriots have also struggled to rush the passer this season, uh, so giving Andrew Luck a little bit more time to throw, he should be pretty efficient in this game. Um, there are a, a bunch of guys, like it looks like Jack Doyle is not going to play, no T.Y. Hilton, uh, so that leaves Eric Ebron and Naheem Hines as the two heavy, most heavily targeted pass catchers in the Colts core that are uh, expected to play. Patriots have not been great uh, against tight ends. Eric Ebron uh, has been dominating in red zone targets. He is tied for the NFL lead among tight ends in red zone targets, has eight through four games. He's an every week fantasy starter. I know that, you know, Eric Ebron is kind of like a career underachiever, um, but the way that he's producing right now, I mean, he's, he is a legit top five fantasy tight end. He's running a ton of pass routes. The receivers, Ryan Grant, Chester Rogers, Zach Pascal, Marcus Johnson. 
you know, I'm not real excited about any of these guys. And we can move on to the next one. The next one, Evan, is the Buffalo Bills in that offense hosting the Titans. Corey Davis, Taewon Taylor, Mariota came alive a little bit against the Eagles. Yeah, what a stark contrast between weeks three and four in terms of the arm health of Marcus Mariota. He, of course, had been dealing with this, uh, I guess it's called a nerve impingement in his elbow, his throwing elbow. Looked terrible, I mean, in week three, like non-functional, essentially. Like, you know, he was throwing like a little kid, you know, with with, with the ball, um, just egg-beating. Uh, but last week he was terrific against Philadelphia. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure that he's totally out of the woods yet, um, but I think that we could go back to him in two quarterback leagues at least. Um, the guy that we that we, we can be, obviously, you know, more optimistic, and he hit, two, he hit Corey Davis on uh, two deep balls for 28 and 51 yards. Uh, this was Marcus Mariota's first 300-yard passing game in his last 12 games. He also had 10 for 46 and a touchdown rushing. Uh, he was the number seven overall fantasy quarterback last week. Uh, but I, I, I'm still a little bit concerned that he's not totally past it. And this is not uh, an easy spot. I mean, coming off that home upset of the Eagles and then going on the road to Buffalo, and I know that no one has respect, has respect for Buffalo and they don't really you know, deserve our respect based on their performance in the first month of the season. Uh, but this is not, you know, this this is not like a gimme spot for Marcus Mariota and, and the Titans' offense. Really, the way that the Titans have been winning games is with their pass rush. Um, I do like their their defense in this game against Buffalo. I mean, Josh Allen has taken sacks on 15 percent of his dropbacks. Uh, you like literally cannot use anyone um, in, in fantasy leagues in the Buffalo offense right now. Um, you, you could, I guess you could, if you're real desperate, you could try to play LaShawn McCoy, but he has eight, 13, eight, 13 and eight touches, uh, in his three games played. And, uh, I mean, he's just, it's just been a total, total disaster. Um, Kelvin Benjamin has 92 receiving yards on 21 targets, 4.4 yards per target. Charles Clay, zero touchdowns in 15 straight games. Um, the backfield uh, for the Titans, you know, it's it's been just a weekly roller coaster, and it hasn't even been, uh, you know, dependent upon game script. It really hasn't. It, it seemed like it was in the first couple of weeks that you could kind of spot, hey, Titans are going to be playing from behind this week. It's going to be more Deion Lewis. Titans are going to be, you know, pl- potentially playing with a lead. It's going to be more Derrick Henry. It hasn't even been. It hasn't even followed suit over the past few weeks. The Bills are, have gotten better in run defense this year. They're holding opponent running backs to under four yards per carry, although they have allowed five rushing touchdowns to opposing running backs in uh, four games. You know, I think that Derrick Henry is clearly going to be uh, a touchdown or bust guy all year. He's averaging one target per game. And Deion Lewis is just not going to score very many touchdowns. And his workload is going to be, uh, very, very unreliable. Uh, so I think that they're both just flex options, even in what looks like a good matchup on paper. They are just flex options. Derrick Henry, you're going to need a touchdown for him to hit. And then 
uh, Deion Lewis, you're going to need him to catch like several passes for him to hit. And he is obviously preferable in PPR leagues. So um, one thing to keep in mind and, and keep some perspective with Corey Davis and dude has time upside. We've been this for a long time. You know, I, I mean, I, I, I ranked him as my number one dynasty receiver or my number one dynasty player in that 2017 uh, draft class ahead of, you know, Leonard Fournette, Joe Mixon, and, you know, that looks looked terrible for all of last year. But, I mean, I think that it, when he re- when he reaches his apex, when he reaches his peak, he has like a Brandon Marshall type of ceiling. And now Corey Davis is going to have to go face Tredavious White of the Bills. It's definitely not a gimme matchup for Corey Davis. Um, so I – you know, I, I love what he did last week. I, I love his, his long and short-term outlook, especially if Marcus Mariota can get and stay healthy. Uh, but you know, we're not we're not just declaring Corey Davis a wide receiver one play just yet. I I do think I would lean towards starting him uh, pretty much wherever I have him. Uh, Taywan Taylor took the biggest step forward uh, in terms of playing time following Rashard Matthews' release. Season highs and snaps, 63%, routes run, 36, targets, 9, production, 7 for 77. Uh, he played almost strictly on the outside. Nick Williams, special teamer, was the Titans slot receiver last week. Taewon Taylor should be owned everywhere. This dude has big-time playmaking ability. We've seen it in flashes so far um, as a, uh, in, in real games. Uh, we really saw it in the preseason. Is the, the biggest, uh, like, just pure playmaking ability in this entire Titans receiver core. Uh, and I think that he's a wide receiver four slash five right now, but he has upside for more. Johnny Smith, complete non-factor. Uh, he has been targeted three times so far by Marcus Mariota and caught none of them. Dropping passes, uh, you know, not worth a, a stream against the Bills. We can move on to the next one. We've got the Giants and the Panthers. Panthers coming off a bye. Giants coming off a very disappointing offensive performance against the Saints. Yes. So, um, breaking down this game, one thing I noticed that the Giants have allowed the most rushing yards in the NFL to opposing quarterbacks. Uh, That might be problematic when you were going up against Cam Newton. Cam Newton is on pace for a career high 149 carries in his first season under Norv Turner. Panthers' offensive line has been incredible as a run blocking unit. Um, and we just saw the Giants' defense get smashed by the Saints' running backs for over six yards per carry. Uh, the Giants have allowed 130 or more rushing yards in three of their first four games. Panthers come back off the bye. Getting back Trey Turner, uh, their stud right guard, in that week three game before the, before their uh, their off week, I mean they just blew huge holes in, in the middle of uh, the Bengals' uh, defensive line, and Christian McCaffrey ran all over them. Christian McCaffrey's yards per carry average is up to five point nine. Last year was at three point seven. Um, And uh, the Giants have given up at least five catches to opposing running backs in every game they've played this year. So I I think that Cam and McCaffrey can go off here. And um, 
like you can play them together for sure in the same uh, DFS lineups. Uh, Devin Funchess has been consistently highly productive uh, with Greg Olson out of the lineup. Greg Olson not going to play this week, uh, but he has uh, 75 yards or more and or a touchdown in all in each of the last five games missed by Greg Olson. Uh, Janoris Jenkins has been terrible this year, has allowed a 77 completion rate into his coverage, uh, 11 yards per attempt, and a touchdown. Uh, so Devin Funches should be rolled out there confidently. Also has a huge size advantage on uh, the, the little jackrabbit. Um, so the Ron Rivera was talking about how he wanted to play DJ Moore more heading into the week three game. Uh, that did not really material materialize, uh, but they did have the bye week to sort through that and get him more playing time. But, you know, I think that what that does is just makes him, you know, kind of just makes Jarius Wright and Torrey Smith non-fantasy options because we're going to really need DJ Moore to be playing a full-time role uh, for him to be usable in fantasy, and that doesn't seem like it's on the horizon. Do not be surprised, though, if he you know, has a game – here where he rips a bunch of big plays because that's what DJ Moore is very much capable of doing. Great athlete, little raw. I mean, he came out of Maryland. He only had one big season at Maryland, uh, but he was awesome uh, in that one season. Uh, He looked really good in the preseason as well, just has not been getting enough playing time. Giants have been kind of shredded by tight ends and back-to-back games. It was the Texans tight ends. They had combined for over 150 for over hundred yards in week three. And then uh, the uh, Saints tight ends, uh, Josh Hill was the breakout guy for them. He had a career high 63 yards. But the Saints tight ends as a whole had almost 90 yards against the Giants last week. I think that Ian Thomas uh, is a little bit of a sneaky streamer in week uh, five has played 94 and 78% of the snaps over the last two games. Eli Manning, you know, I, I, I don't know why, you know, the, the Giants are trotting him out as their starter. Uh, he has been a severe liability. I expected him to play better than he did last week, and that was just really, really disappointing. Um, and I think that, you know, they, they have one of the toughest schedules in the NFL, especially coming up um, – at Carolina and then against the Eagles and then at Atlanta, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they start like one and six or one and seven, they start thinking about uh, going to Kyle Loletta. Eli has been completing a lot of his passes, but he, you know, he's a dink and dunk player, not willing to pull the trigger on downfield throws anymore. Doesn't trust his arm is afraid to make mistakes. Uh, and, and that's, you know, he's, he's become a liability and um, he's, not helping the cause of the players around him. Saquon Barkley, six, season low 16 touches in last week's loss to the Saints, but he still went over 100 yards from scrimmage for the fourth straight game. Uh, this is his best matchup so far. The, the Panthers have allowed 5.4 yards per carry to opposing running backs. Um, and uh, Pat Shermer came out and said publicly that he wants Saquon Barkley to get more carries going forward. Uh, Saquon Barkley is uh, number two among all running backs in receptions. Uh, so he's an obvious start every single week. 
Evan Ingram uh, was out last week, and he's going to continue to be out uh, with an MCL injury. Sterling Shepard was able to capitalize as we anticipated, caught 10 of 10 targets uh, against the Saints. You look at the slot receivers that have faced the Panthers so far. Tyler Boyd went off against them, and Cole Beasley had 7 for 73 uh, against them uh, back in week one. Sterling Shepard plays uh, 90% of his snaps in the slot, uh, and, and this is a good matchup for him, and his targets are going to be significantly elevated uh, during Evan Ingram's absence. Odell Beckham got shut down last week by Marshawn Lattimore. Odell Beckham had minus four yards at the half. Um, he did wind up with uh, 60 yards against the Saints, but that was a very disappointing game for him. This is a, an easier matchup. I think that James Bradbury is maybe maybe 70% of the player that, uh, that Marshawn Lattimore is. Um, and the opportunity has been there continually for Odell Beckham. He's top 10 in the league in both air yards and targets. Uh, and he is the number one by low target in Josh Hermsmeyer's uh, air yards, uh, by low air, air yards model. Uh, we have, of course, had Josh on the show multiple times. Uh, and his uh, by low model has led us in the dire- right direction uh, continually. Uh, and so. Odell Beckham, no, people are going to be not not going to want to play him this week in Daily Fantasy, I think, and it's a great matchup, and the opportunity is very much there. We can move on to the next one. Let's get to Cincinnati hosting the Dolphins. The Bengals' offense is on fire, and I think a big part of it, Evan, is they finally have a legit number two receiver in Tyler Boyd. Yeah, Tyler Boyd having you know one of these – third-year breakouts. It used to be for a long time the, the common narrative in fantasy football circles was that uh, you wait till the third year for receivers. And then we kind of got spoiled by that 2014 draft class. People did, you know, studies going back. The third year really, really, you know, didn't make a difference uh, in, in the big picture for wide receivers. Um, but, you know, that narrative occurred for a reason. Um, because look, you know, it's not uncommon for wide receivers to come out of college and struggle in their first year. You want to see a baseline level of production. You want to see them getting on the field, but it's not uncommon for them to take a few years to really get in sync with their quarterbacks, really carve out a significant, um, share of their team's targets. And we are seeing Tyler Boyd do that right now. Nothing to fear about this Dolphins secondary really which is going to be without uh, Bobby McCain uh, knee injury and he's been uh, their probably their most consistent cornerback over the past two seasons uh, the guy to really fear uh, in, in the Dolphins uh, secondary on the perimeter is uh, Xavier Howard and he's going to be on AJ Green I don't think that we should be benching AJ Green in season-long leagues, but it's really more reason to like Tyler Boyd in this spot. Uh, and then you combine that with Tyler Eifert's season-ending injury, and a lot of targets are going to be funneled into the middle of the field to Tyler Boyd, who's been the, the Bengals' most reliable receiver so far. John Ross did score a touchdown last week, uh, only had two catches, 
uh, and I don't think he's usable yet. Uh, I do think that he is worth stashing on benches. Uh, at tight end, C.J. Uzoma is the preferred pickup over Tyler Croft uh, based on routes run and based on snaps so far this year. I think that at the end of the day, it could kind of go either way between those guys, but my lean would be toward C.J. Uzoma. Uh, Andy Dalton has been a top-12 fantasy quarterback so far. I think that the Dolphins, you know, they, they started kind of hot. You know, they started hot last year, too. They were 4-2 and two through six games, wound up as one of the worst teams in the NFL. I don't think they're one of the worst teams in the NFL necessarily this year, but they faced the easiest schedule in the league in weeks one through three, and then they just got uh, their butts whooped by New England uh, and, you know, kind of snapped back to reality. Now they got to go on the road again at Cincinnati. Um, you know, I, I think that they're kind of in for a little, another little dose of reality. The Bengals also get back Vontez Perfect, which is concerning for the Dolphins' backfield uh, in particular, which has started to get a little wonky. I mean, it's almost like trending toward an even timeshare between Frank Gore and Kenyon Drake. I had noticed um, the, the week prior that Frank Gore was getting a lot of work in crunch time uh, in a one-score game over Kenyon Drake. And then last week, Frank Gore winds up out-touching Kenyon Drake. Now, the game kind of, you know, got got weird in terms of, like, script because the Patriots were just throttling the, the Dolphins. But it still it sends up a little bit of a red flag, man. And I think that Kenyon Drake, until we see uh, that he is clearly, you know, back ahead of Frank Gore, uh, Kenyon Drake is going to be like a risky RB2 slash flex option. Not really high hopes for Ryan Tannehill in this game. Um, you know, the, this Dolphins receiver core also is very difficult to sort through because there are so many members. Uh, no one was productive last week. No one gets sig- uh, consistent or significant targets. There have been moments where Albert Wilson and, you know, Jakeem Grant and Kenny Stills have ripped off big plays, but none of those are bankable in terms of predictiveness. And we're likely to get Devontae Parker back this week after he missed week four. Mike Jasicki didn't didn't show up in his first game without AJ Derby. Uh, don't don't really uh, have high expectations for him. Again, this Dolphins team does not want to throw the ball at a high volume. We can move on to the next one. All right, the next game it's the Ravens and the Browns. Ravens. Looking pretty good. The Browns put up decent points. How about Nick Chubb? Three carries, 105 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty, pretty efficient. Uh, pretty efficient game there for Nick Chubb, and you have to wonder: is that going to start to um, earn him more playing time? I mean, because dude got he played six snaps. He got three carries. He broke two for long touchdowns, and that's what Nick Chubb can do. You know, that's why Nick Chubb was a special kind of uh, runner at Georgia. Because he's a big dude, and he's got incredible athleticism and wheels. Carlos Hyde has not been very efficient uh, behind this Browns offensive line. 3.4 yards per carry. He's been scoring a bunch of touchdowns. I mean, I've been starting him every week wherever I have him. But I I do think it it is a legit concern that he may begin to lose uh, work to Nick Chubb in what could become 
more of a committee. Um, Duke Johnson has yet to uh, see over six touches in a game uh, through the first month of the season. Uh, he is barely roster worthy in fantasy leagues. Baker Mayfield um, committed four turnovers last week. Uh, most of them really were not his fault. Uh, when he was in there, they moved the ball pretty consistently uh, on the road against the Raiders. Uh, this is going to be a much more difficult test, though, against the Ravens. Ravens have uh, played top two pass defense so far, and they are getting back Jimmy Smith uh, from his four-game suspension. So they're even getting stronger in their pass defense. Um Ben Roethlisberger, Case Keenum, uh, and of course the Bills quarterbacks in week one all shut down by the Ravens' pass defense. I think that Baker Mayfield is really just a lower-end two-quarterback play this week. Uh, also noteworthy for that for the running game uh, in a week where we're a little concerned that Carlos Hyde might lose work to Nick Chubb is that C.J. Mosley and Michael Pierce, two key run stuffers for the Ravens, uh, they returned from injuries last week, uh, and they played really well against the Steelers. Uh, Steelers got nothing going in their, in terms of their running game. Um, the 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 guy who we can stay optimistic about in the Ravens, and sorry, in the Browns uh, pass catcher core is Jarvis Landry. Runs seventy two percent of his routes in the slot. Uh, Tavon Young has allowed ten of thirteen targets to be complete against him for one hundred thirty one yards and two touchdowns. I think that because Carlos Hyde is unlikely to like churn out a lot of uh, chain-moving runs against this Ravens defense that's now at full strength, uh, Jarvis Landry can be the, uh, the the primary chain mover in the Browns' offense in Week Five. Antonio Callaway has dropped a ton of passes, made a ton of mistakes, uh, lost a fumble last week, uh, or almost lost a fumble on a punt return. Uh, that would have taken the, the Browns out of the game. And the, now the Browns are talking about reducing his playing time. Uh, so we're going to have to kind of wait and see on him for a week. He did, you know, show his big playability. He burned Gary and Conley for a 59-yard reception all the way down to the one that set up Carlos Hyde's uh, one-yard touchdown. But, I mean, he's been mistake-prone and really, really shouldn't be surprising. The dude didn't even play football all last year, and he was hurt for most of the offseason. I think the best place to attack the Ravens' defense in the middle of the field, uh, they've allowed the 10th most catches to tight ends. Uh, David Njoku uh, led the Browns in catches in Baker Mayfield's first start last week. He's top 10 among tight ends in air yards, um, and he is the number two by-low tight end in Josh Hermsmeyer's air yards by-low model this week. Joe Flacco. He's been excellent. I mean, he has been a top 12 fantasy quarterback in three of four starts so far this year. The Browns, man, I mean, they're, they're a little tough to get a handle on because they shut down, you know, Big Ben and Drew Brees. And, of course, Sam Darnold in the first three games and just got smashed by Derek Carr last week. 437 yards, four touchdowns. Derek Carr picked them apart uh, in the uh, short to intermediate passing game. Uh, 35 of his completions and 363 of his yards 
came on passes thrown within uh, 20 yards of the line of scrimmage. Um, so, you know, you have to realize that th- this Ravens passing game is really counted on John Brown, uh, who has the highest A dot in the league, average depth of target. Uh, and it's a vertical passing game, really, at, at its core. Um, so, you know, that that's not necessarily repeatable by Joe Flacco. I do think that Joe Flacco is a, a strong two-quarterback league start, uh, but I think that in terms of streamers, he would not be uh, particularly high on, on, on the list. I, I think he's an okay, not great streamer. At running back, Alex Collins got benched again um, last week, missed uh, almost, an, almost the entire second quarter. This happened to him in week one against Buffalo as well. Uh, and he has now fumbled six times on just 288 touches with the Ravens, losing four. Both of his lost fumbles this year have occurred at the goal line. Uh, and that's where he was already, you know, kind of falling behind Buck Allen. I think that Buck Allen is definitely going to be getting the, goal, the ball on the goal line going forward. And, uh, the, you know, the Ravens are not going to totally go away from Alex Collins. But this is very, very concerning from a fantasy standpoint, because dude is already in a committee. Uh, dude is not catching passes. We need him to be scoring touchdowns. Uh, and I, I think that the good argument can be made right now that Buck Allen is a better fantasy play, at least in the short term, than Alex Collins. Um, at receiver, John Brown, just dude is just a baller and you know I, the, the again we, we talked about how the the browns the way that they got picked apart last week was not necessarily with deep balls so you know that's that is something to note but john brown has gotten to the point where you know he, we're starting him every single week uh he torched joe hayden for a, uh, an early 33 yard touchdown uh, i was really in double coverage uh, and then he caught a, a play action bomb for 71 deep down the middle uh, last week. Does not even lead the team in targets, but he has 662 air yards, which is twice as many as Michael Crabtree, who does lead the team in targets. Um, And John Brown is third in the NFL in air yards. He also has five end zone targets, by far the most on the Ravens. Legit every week starter. Uh, Matchup upgraded by the Browns' loss of Terrence Mitchell, who uh, broke his wrist against the Raiders. Um, Michael Crabtree uh, only has two red zone targets and one inside the 10. I think that his selling point during the season was that he was going to be their best red zone option. Uh, you know, they had a rookie at tight end. They had John Brown, you know, Willie Sneed. It made sense, but it has not happened. He's not getting the ball downfield. Um I think that Michael Crabtree is like a wide receiver for flex right now. Um, Willie Sneed does make sense uh, playing against the Browns. Uh, TJ Carey has given up a lot of production in the slot recently. Um, You know, Willie Sneed actually has better stats on the season than Michael Crabtree. has more yards. Um, They have the same amount of catches and touchdowns. So he's in that same boat. Hayden Hurst is expected back from his foot injury this week, but Max Williams played really, really well against the Steelers. Uh, and Nick Boyle, his blocking ability is valued. So I just I would avoid the Ravens' tight ends in Week Five. We can move on to the next one. 
Next one's interesting. Curious to get your thoughts on the Packers and the Lions. Yeah, I think this game has some shootout potential. Uh, we're going to Ford Field, playing indoors. Packers defense has been uh, not not you know far from a shutdown unit uh, when they have played functional passing offenses. Kirk Cousins lit them up. Alex Smith had a good game against them. Josh Allen, of course, did not. Uh, but, you know, Josh Allen is going to be super wildly up and down um, for the foreseeable future. I mean, that's the way that he was at Wyoming. I don't know why we would expect anything different for him uh, as a rookie quarterback in the NFL. The game has uh, a, a, a big total. It's over 50 points. Again, playing indoors. I think that Matthew Stafford, you know, he has not really had big upside games uh, so far this year, but he has been a solid four floor play. He has uh, he's finished as a top 16 fantasy quarterback in three straight games. Um, but I think that he is uh, I think this can be his breakout game against the Packers. Packers are banged up in the secondary. Uh, they lost Devon House. They lost Kevin King. Um, they have been rotating Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson rookies uh, at slot corner. That that bodes well for Golden Tate. That kind of um, you know mixing and matching. Golden Tate has been a target monster, and he's he's been playing out of his mind so far. Uh, Kenny Galladay on the outside, and uh, Marvin Jones uh, on the outside did not have big games against uh, Dallas. But you know, keep in mind that Dallas has a really really underrated secondary. They're big in the secondary. Chidobia Wuzie and um, Byron Jones. Uh, those are big corners. Uh, and, you know, it's not terribly surprising that Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay do not have big games. I think that they can have big games against Tremont Williams, who is 35, and um, Josh Jackson, who's a rookie. Uh, I, think that, I think that those guys are, are just they're locked in every week, wide receiver twos. I wish that the Lions would commit to on Johnson, but it's just wish, wishful thinking uh, right now uh, because you know, even they themselves have come out and said, that they're not interested in uh, making on Johnson a workhorse. He did lead the backfield in touches last week, but he only played 37% of the snaps. He got 10 touches. Um, you know, he's averaging 7.2 yards per carry, and uh, Garrett Blunt is averaging 2.7 yards per carry. Um, I, I, I don't know what to say other than it's frustrating. Um and especially because this is such a good matchup, the Packers just lost Muhammad Wilkerson, uh, and they've given up 4.8 yards per carry to opposing running backs. Packers, again, were so desperate at cornerback that they just signed Bashad Breeland off the street. So, you know, that's telling. I think that Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones bounce back. Golden Tate stays hot against the Packers. Um, on the other side, again, really like the, this game. Uh, this game shootout potential for Aaron Rodgers. He is his legs are looking healthier every week. Thirty-one rushing yards last week against the Bills. That was a season high. Um, only took four hits in uh, forty-two dropbacks. He's always getting good protection. Uh, he is another guy that has not really we have not seen massive upside games so far from Aaron Rodgers, but I think that it could happen here. Uh, he has seven touchdowns over his last two games at Ford Field. Um, 
the backfield here is similar because Aaron Jones, kind of like Carryon Johnson, deserves to get uh, the vast majority of the work, but they like to use three backs. And Jamal Williams is a pass protector, and Ty Williams or Ty Montgomery is an effective uh, receiving game back. And Aaron Jones has questions about both of those aspects for his skill set, but he's clearly the best runner on the team. Uh, but we just really cannot expect these guys to be getting any of these guys to be getting any more than you know 10 to 13 touches per game as long as they are working in a three-man rotation. Again, that's that is disappointing against the Lions because the Lions have been getting just destroyed by the run. 6.1 yards per carry allowed to, to running backs. Uh, the 12th most receiving yards allowed to running backs. Um, Aaron Jones, you know, I think he's kind of seen as a versatile guy, but he has one catcher fewer in 12 of his 14 NFL games, and he has never reached 20 receiving yards in a game. Um, I th- We can definitely anticipate Darius Slay to shadow uh, Devontae Adams, but, you know, Devontae Adams had eight for 64 and a touchdown against Xavier Rhodes. And then he had eight for 81 against Tredavious White. And, you know, those guys are very much on Darius Slay's level. So it's not really, you know, I would not overthink the, the cornerback matchup here for Devontae Adams. He's seventh in the NFL in red zone targets. Aaron Rodgers throws to him uh, when he is covered. And you look at the rest of the receiver core, Randall Cobb, Probably not going to be back with the, the hamstring injury. Admitted he was not close uh, to playing in week three. Geronimo Allison dealing with a concussion. He may not play. Uh, Aaron Rodgers in his press conference after last week's win said that Devontae Adams and Jimmy Graham need the ball more. Um, so, you know, th- this will be his opportunity to force it to him. Uh, you know, especially with uh, Randall Cobb looking doubtful and Geronimo Allison questionable at best. Marquez Valdez, if say that both of those guys don't play, Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Jamon Moore will round out the Packers' three-receiver set. Valdez-Scantling last week actually played in the slot. Uh, Geronimo Allison stayed outside. Valdez-Scantling had one catch for 38 yards. Uh, but at one point he ran a route, uh, like what looked like a bad route, and Aaron Rodgers like gave him one of those, one of those glares. Um, that that always freaks me out. Um, you know, it's it's not it's not like a predictive thing. Uh, if 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 no Allison and no Cobb this week, I think that Valdez Scantling becomes a really interesting like DFS dart throw. Uh, but I just I'd just like to note that. Uh, Jamon Moore played ahead of Equanimius St. Brown. We can move on to the next one. Really looking forward to this next game. I, I think it's arguably the game of the day. It's the Chiefs hosting the Jags. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, in, and I did a tweet about this. In Patrick Mahomes' worst game as the Chiefs starter, and I think that that was his worst game. It was maybe maybe his most thrilling because he did not play well in the first half of the game. Um, his footwork was everywhere. You know, they could not sustain drives. He bounced a couple of passes into the dirt. Um, so, you know, there was a reason that they were trailing, and he was part of the reason. Uh, but then he wound up bringing them back, and so it wound up being, you know, an awesome game in hindsight. But, you know, you watch the entire game from quarters one through four, 
compared to his other games, I thought it was his worst game uh, as in totality as the chief starter. But in, in his worst game as a, the chief starter, he snapped the Broncos streak of not allowing 300 yards or more uh, to a quarterback in 38 straight games. He scored his first career rushing touchdown. He did not commit a single turnover. Uh, he completed a pass that went for a first down with his left hand. Um, he orchestrated a fourth quarter comeback win on the road versus a division opponent. He improved a 5-0 and lifetime as a starter. Uh, and four of those games have been won on the road. Uh, and he finished as the, the quarterback 11 in fantasy. Uh, so he has been a top 12 fantasy quarterback in all four starts so far this year. So, look, is he playing the Jaguars? Yes. Yes. And that's difficult. But he is also playing them at home. Uh, and he has been incredible. So, not overthinking it. Starting uh, my Pat Mahomes in fantasy. I remember last year uh, people were saying, oh, you can't start Russell Wilson when he was on fire. Can't start him against the Jags. Winds up as a top five fantasy quarterback in that particular week. Uh, Kareem Hunt finally had a breakout rushing game. You know, that I, I would take it with a little bit of a grain of salt because it was clear that the Broncos were just gravely concerned about limiting deep balls. And they actually did a good job of doing that. I mean, Tyree Kill did not get loose uh, for anything deep. Uh, Sammy Watkins, of course, left early in the game with a hamstring injury. Uh, but, I mean, they did, they were not giving up deep balls at all uh, to the, the Chiefs. And they kind of, like, were, were conceding the run uh, in some ways. Uh, so, you know, I would not say, oh, you know, here we go with, with Kareem Hunt. Um, you know, it's like every, everything's good again. This is a really difficult matchup for him. What I would say is promising, though, is that he saw five targets, uh, finally, because he was not getting any receiving work in the first three games. He caught three, 54 receiving yards. He ran 25 pass routes. That's his most of the year. Uh, so that is really something that we can uh, be – optimistic about uh sammy watkins i'm guessing that he is not going to play i mean you know you leave early and then never return that's probably not a great sign there was a report that he was could be seen jogging after the game uh so that is that is a good sign uh but i'm just gonna kind of assume that he's not playing this week demarcus robinson jumped in for him uh it was just a one for one demarcus robinson went and played x receiver tyreek hill is the is the z um, you know, there was no movement with like Chris Conley or anything. Chris Conley continued to play slot receiver. And I think that Chris Conley will stay in the slot against the Jaguars. Um, I think that Chris Conley is a little bit of a sleeper against the Jags because uh, Quincy Anunua had what, four for 66 against them last week. He also lo- left a lot of, of uh, production on the table i mean he lost to he lost a 40 yard catch to a penalty and darnold just slightly overthrew quincy Anenwa uh, for what should have been a long touchdown uh, so there were definitely openings for him last week against the jags sterling shepherd had five for 48 as a slot receiver against the jags chris hogan had three for 42 and two touchdowns against the jags so chris conley offers a little bit of sleeper 
uh, appeal. You know, I'm not not overthinking Jay, uh, uh, Tyree Kill, even though he's going going up against Jalen Ramsey. Tyree Kill can outrun anyone. Uh, Travis Kelsey, look, you know the the, Jag, the Jags have been great against tight ends. They are um, super athletic at linebacker. They're really solid at safety. You know, there there's there's really no, you know, there are no like weaknesses uh, in, in, for you know for tight ends at all. Uh, but you're playing Travis Kelsey because he's Travis Kelsey and he's going to be a top three fantasy option regardless of his opponent at the tight end position no Leonard Fournette so the Jags are going to open up their offense again Um, now we have seen that work and we have seen that not work so far with Blake Bortles but Blake Bortles has played well in two of the last three games he played really well against the Jets last week picked them apart on uh, underneath passes and it can run and this Chiefs defense plays a lot of man coverage. And in man coverage situations, uh, the defenders turn their backs to the quarterback. Uh, and Blake Bortles can absolutely capitalize on that. I love Blake Bortles as a streamer this week. I love him as a DFS play. And the guy that I would play him with is D.D. Westbrook. Uh, D.D. Westbrook has a great matchup against the Chiefs in the slot where they have just gotten creamed. Um, D. Westbrook leads the Jags in 20 plus yard receptions, overall catches, receiving yards, raw targets. Um, you know, I think that he is the most talented player in this receiver core. Uh, with that said, Keelan Cole is very, very close, uh, number two. And, um, he has had some huge games when Leonard Fournette has been out. Uh, and, uh, he also has more air yards, than D. Westbrook on the season. Uh, so both of those guys, I think, are in good position. We finally saw Dante Moncrief do something last week. Um, and he actually leads the Jags in air yards at 296. But, man, I just he is so unreliable uh, that he, he's the tough one for me to play personally. Um, but, you know... I, I totally get it. I mean, there there are positive metrics, and this is a great matchup. Uh, there are definitely factors working in the favor of Dante Moncrief. Austin Safarian Jenkins got outproduced by James Shaughnessy against the, uh, the Jets last week. Just entirely touchdown or bust. If he doesn't score a touchdown, he's going to hurt you. Uh, he never, like, has big yardage games. Uh, in the backfield, TJ Yeldon. Uh, so Leonard Fournette has now missed five career games. T.J. Yeldon has got 13, 12, 11, 13, and 11 touches in those games. He had 21 touches last week after Leonard Fournette left, though, and Corey Grant only had three. So I think that T.J. Yeldon, his usage may be elevated this week. Uh, He is clearly over that ankle injury that bothered him early on. And Corey Grant... um, you know, I, not, he's just going to be a, a kind of a long shot flex when you're desperate. Uh, and we can move on to the next one. The next one is the Denver Broncos in New York to take on the Jets. Broncos running game is pretty good, Evan. I feel like they should do it even more. I'm with you. I'm with you. This is kind of an ugly game. You know, you got um, – and I, I think that the Jets might play well. Uh, in this game, 
their coach is like on the ropes. They have had two back-to-back really, really difficult uh, spots. I mean, at Cleveland on the short week, that was really, really difficult. And then um, at uh, Jacksonville. So, I mean, those are two of the, the, the scariest defensive fronts in the NFL. And the Jets' offensive line has largely struggled. Uh, so they now they, they go back home. They're facing this uh, downtrodden Broncos team coming off the, the meltdown loss on Monday night, traveling across the country for a 1 p.m. Eastern time game. I think the Jets win this game. Um, I don't know if that necessarily means anything great for fantasy. Uh, Quincy Anunua has a tough matchup against Chris Harris in the slot, but you know the Broncos have been playing more zone coverage, uh, so Chris Harris is not going to be on him every single play. Uh, and Quincy Anunua has just been getting so much volume, and he also runs 30% of his routes on the outside. And he's been getting so much volume in the red zone. Uh, he was, again, inches away from like 150 yards and a touchdown last week against the Jaguars. I'm sticking with him where I have him. I think that he is a good fantasy start. The guys that really have the best matchups, though, are Robbie Anderson and Terrell Pryor. I don't know what happened with Terrell Pryor last week. Uh, I knew he came into the game with a groin injury. Uh, I guess he aggravated it, but he played two snaps. Uh, so I, I don't know what, what the deal is there. Uh, Robbie Anderson finally got some downfield targets. Um, he finished with six targets, uh, and he had a season high for air yards last week against the Jags. They need to get him the ball downfield. I mean, and this is getting like a little ridiculous that they have. He was by far their best receiver last year, and they need to get him the rock. I think that he's still, you know, a very volatile wide receiver for type. Uh, But, you know, I do think that this could be his breakout game. That's the place to attack the Broncos defense is against their outside cornerbacks. Kind of know the deal right by now by Isaiah Crowell. He's probably going to hurt you if he doesn't score a touchdown. Um, and the Broncos have played great run defense with the exception of that Chiefs game. Of course, uh, we know why they uh, let up or why, why they were weaker against the run in that particular game because of their game plan against Kansas City. And Bilal Powell, uh, he has been more consistent than Isaiah Crowell from just a week-by-week touches standpoint, uh, but uh, he is not getting like a lot of touches. So those guys, that you know, uh, Bilal Powell is like a weak flex, flex play in PPR, and Isaiah Crowell is a touchdown-dependent flex play. Uh, have Sam Darnold as a mid-range to low-end starter in two quarterback leagues. Um, on the Broncos side, yeah, you mentioned the running game. Philip Lindsay is the clear lead back. At this point, and uh, I thought it was especially promising that he was getting the ball on the goal line last week. Uh, and through four games, he has the same number of carries inside the five-yard line that Royce Freeman does. They both have two. Uh, and Royce Freeman only has one more carry than Philip Lindsay inside the 10-yard line. Uh, Royce Freeman has five, and Philip Lindsay has four. So we can sort of, you know, dark pencil in. Uh, Philip Lindsay is an every week RB two and Royce Freeman is a touchdown dependent flex option has two targets on the season. 
Uh, Devontae Booker, Booker continues to not get the ball, but continues to play about 33% of the snaps every week. The Jets have been getting slaughtered by slot receivers. That bodes well for Emmanuel Sanders. Demarius Thomas has finished with 70 yards or fewer in 14 of his last 15 games. And um, he's a touchdown-dependent guy at this point. I mean, has not gotten to 65 yards in a game yet this year. Um, Has fewer air yards than Cortland Sutton. Um, So not super excited about Demarius Thomas. And I think that the matchup is tougher than it may look. Uh, Tremaine Johnson and Morris Claiborne are, are a good bookend duo of outside cornerbacks. Jeff Hoyerman, uh, there were like strange reports that Matt Lacoste was going to take over as the Broncos' uh, pass catching running back or pass catching tight end after the loss of Jace, Jake Butt. But Jeff Hoyerman just became an every down player, played 88% of the snaps. Led the Broncos in receiving yards. Um, I think if you're in desperate need of a tight end, you could do a lot worse than, than Jeff Hoyerman. Tied for the team lead in targets. Um, you know, I he has struggled to stay healthy. He hasn't been productive really at at any level. But there was a reason that they took him in the third round, and um, it looks like he's going to be getting a lot of opportunity going forward. We can move on to the next one. Last one here for part one, Evan, and I think it's a stardom if you got him game. Falcon Steelers. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, the, this came open with a 56 point total, immediately got bet up to 57.5, and then it was reported that Grady Jarrett uh, is out indefinitely with what looks like a high ankle sprain. So. I mean, (laughs) Matt Ryan and Ben Roethlisberger, both incredible fantasy starts. Um, At running back, it looks like it's going to be back back to uh, Devontae Freeman for the Falcons. He's going to be a risky flex play in his first game back. Uh, Even before he went down, you know, they were were using an even timeshare. It was not, you know, like the the, um, the, like 17 to 9 split that it normally is between Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. So Tevin Coleman is going to stay in play uh, as a low-end RB2 slash high-end flex starter. Uh, It's just Edo Smith is probably going to fade back into the background. Um, You know, Julio was unbelievable last week. Of course, he doesn't score a touchdown, but he's on pace for the uh, to set a league record in receiving yards. He has 713 air yards, which... I believe is a hundred more than the next player in the NFL. Um, he he should just shred this Steelers uh, secondary, which is just awful, um, and has been hurt. Uh, Mike Hilton and Morgan Burnett have missed time. Uh, Calvin Ridley, you know, again, all systems go. Uh, Muhammad Sanu is a little bit sneaky, you know, just because of he's playing in this game, um, but. You know, never really have particularly high expectations for him. Vance McDonald remains the guy at tight end for the Steelers uh, in terms of routes run and, and just passing game usage. And that's, of course, what we care about in fantasy. J. 
Jesse James is going to play play a lot and maybe pop up for some red zone targets the rest of the way, but he is not um, he's not a, a fantasy option. Vance McDonald is. Vance McDonald really has a chance to become a, an every week fantasy starter. Uh, I think Antonio Brown just goes nuts against this Falcons secondary. Falcons, by the way, totally reshuffled their their secondary last week. Like they are kind of searching for answers. Um, they moved Brian Poole, their slot corner safety. They moved Desmond Trufant, their best outside corner, to slot corner. Um, they used Robert Alford to shadow A.J. Green at times. So that means we're probably going to get uh, Robert Alford shadowing Antonio Brown at times. I think the AB just this is this is a huge huge game for him. He's averaging like nine yards per catch. I mean, you know that that is going to regress back towards towards his mean. Uh, so um, uh, Juju Smith Schuster had a relatively slow game uh, by his standards uh, last week against uh, the Baltimore, but in this monster shootout, he's definitely a guy that you know we can get excited about uh, Austin Hooper is kind of in that same vein as uh, uh, what's his name? Muhammad Sanu uh, where usually he needs a touchdown to hit, but just by, you know, simple virtue of the fact that he is playing in this game with this total, with this, with this much shootout potential. Uh, I think that Austin Hooper is a guy who warrants a look uh, and the last guy to talk about is James Conner. James Conner looks like he has two games left as the Steelers feature back. Uh, Pittsburgh has run blocked really poorly and has been falling behind in games because their defense has just been awful. So, you know, his, like, he's averaging 3.7 yards per carry, which, by the way, is not much worse than Le'Veon Bell, who last year averaged 4.0 yards per carry. Uh, but his rushing efficiency and his rushing volume have been down due to those factors. Uh, but they, they, the Steelers are favored here uh, and they are facing a completely decimated Falcons defense um, that also just hemorrhages receiving pro- production to running back. So uh, we can start James Connor confidently uh, in this likely high scoring affair. One question, Evan, Theoretically, hypothetically, if you were 4-0 in your fantasy league, which I know you're not, and you had both Matt Ryan and Ben Roethlisberger, is there one that's better than the other in your mind? I'd go with Ben this week. Okay. I'll go with Matt Ryan then probably and win anyway. Um, Anyway, that'll do it. Great stuff as always. Evan, I absolutely love it almost as much as I love this new show that they've got. I love combining like my interests of football and a good show combined, and that's what they've got with the CW, All-American. You guys know I don't get a chance to watch a ton of TV. I mean, I'm usually watching sports, and even when I am watching TV, it's somehow sports-related, which is why I am fired up about an all-new series called All-American, which premieres on the CW coming up Wednesday, October 10th. This is an awesome, 
awesome show. It's local football hero Spencer Pacinger. You know, he's a linebacker, played for the Giants. They got Tay Diggs crushing it as Beverly High football coach Billy Baker, former star player in his own right, who sees himself in Spencer. Coming off of two losing seasons, he also sees Spencer as his ticket to job security. This is the show. If you guys are looking for a new show for the fall, this is the one. All-American. got to check it out. Catch the series premiere of All-American Wednesday, October 10th on The CW. That'll do it for part one of the Fantasy Feast Eaton podcast, the show that's so nice we do it twice. And, yes, if you want the phrase that pays – the next word will be given out on the midnight posting of part two of the Fantasy Feast because i got to figure out which word I'm going to put on this one and which word I'm going to put on the Even Money podcast. So, yeah, if you're trying to get the free Madden and the phrase that pays, uh, College Draft had the first word, Even Money, and Fantasy Feast will have the next word. Other than that, make sure you download the next one. Make sure you subscribe so you get the one after midnight. Part two. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.